Thank you for listening to True Crime Cam. This week's episode is going to be another r slash let's not meet episode. I was working on another case and then I realized I did not have time to finish that case in order to get an episode out to y'all in time. So sorry to the folks that wanted to hear a case, but from the messages I've received, it seems like a lot of you like these anyways. This is four stories and they all have to do with kidnappings or very close potential kidnappings. So let's get into it. This first story is titled, I, a pizza guy, intercepted a kidnapping during a delivery. I deliver pizza and I'd been having a really busy night, non-stop back and forth, without any time to even pause and take a leak. I'd been so busy that I wasn't really thinking about bathroom breaks, but we're also going through a bit of a heat wave in our area, so I've been drinking copious amounts of water. All of a sudden, as I was driving to this particular delivery, the urge to go hit me. Like, things went 0-60 to in an instant. Thankfully, I was close to the customer so I could get this one over with quickly, or so I thought. I pulled up to the house, and it was an area I'd delivered in before, so I could immediately see that something wasn't right. All the lights were off in the house, not even the glow of a television or anything. It was extra apparent because the streetlight closest to the door happened to be out of order, and on top of it all, the block was dead quiet. This is a big university area, and obviously there aren't many student renters in July, but there had to be at least one person, because someone ordered this pizza. Maybe they just liked sitting in the dark, or they were out in the backyard, whatever. I just didn't want to get out of my car and knock on a quiet house in the middle of the night, around 9.30pm, without first checking that I had the correct address and the customer was inside. It was scorching that night, even after sundown. My car's AC is a joke and the piping hot pizzas don't help things much. So I have to try and open the car door as infrequently as possible to keep any cool air in. I called the number the customer provided, and the voice on the other end said, kind of brusquely and out of breath, yeah? I just tried to keep it clear and concise. Quote, hey, it's your pizza out front, but there doesn't appear to be anybody home? And the customer replied, still gasping for air, Yeah, I'm not home. I had to pee so badly by that point that I was much less patient than I'd otherwise be with a customer right out the gate. Well, then we're going to have to terminate the order, because I have arrived in the stated delivery window, and you were supposed to pay in cash. So I don't know what to tell you. Plan ahead next time. I instantly regretted letting my bladder do the talking for me, as the voice on the other end came through more clearly as a young, bubbly, and very distraught girl who couldn't have been older than 20 or 25. Quote, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I was running down the street so I could barely hear you. I just switched you out of my AirPods, is that better? Sorry, I completely lost track of the time at work, but I knew you were coming. That's why I'm literally running home right now. Please don't leave. I'm starving and I don't have a car. Seriously, please don't leave. Five minutes tops, okay? 
I know what it's like to be hungry and running late and have no car, but not live near any restaurants. Plus, when I heard her voice, I began to remember more specifically having delivered to this place a couple times before, and she'd always been perfectly nice. Now I felt bad for snapping at her. I tried to walk it back, while simultaneously looking out my window for potential spots to pee. No, no, my bad. I'm letting the heat get to me, and it's not your fault. No need to rush. See you when you get here. I hung up, and while surveilling the street, was starting to think I was out of luck. All the other houses had people on them, and were close together. So there were no clumps of trees, or out-of-the-way patches of land, or anything. Of course I had just tossed my empty water bottle at the last delivery, because I'm an idiot. Finally, I decided it was escalating to the point of an emergency, and the safest bet was to use a bush in front of the woman's house. She wasn't home. The streetlight was out so no one would see me. The people who were home were inside. My car was parked across the street, and we're a small shop who don't wear uniforms. So if someone did spot me, they would have no way to connect me to my employer. Animals pee outside all the time. Humans are animals. This is fine. I scurried over to the tallest bush in her front yard. She didn't really have much of a yard, more just a walkway lined with bushes and flowers that ran adjacent to her front door. The biggest cluster of bushes, the only one where I could be sure there would be no visible splatter on the side of the house, was about four feet from the door. I looked both ways, unzipped, and let it fly. After the initial millisecond of relief, I noticed the sound was way off, more like pissing on something solid than something leafy. I started panicking, thinking I'd aimed wrong, but once I start, I can't stop midstream, so I kept squinting into the darkness to see if maybe I was hitting a key rock or something and I could just move a few inches over. Instead, all of a sudden, I hear a way more concerning noise. A deep voice exclaiming, what the fuck? And before I could turn around, assuming I'd been caught by a neighbor, a man came leaping out of the bushes. He blew by me, brushing my golden shower off of him as he did. He spit pretty emphatically on the ground, so I think I might have beamed him right in the face. I didn't see where he went after a few paces, but though this next part is kind of a blur, I do think I remember hearing a car screech out from a bit further away after a minute. I'd gotten some night vision by that point, so I was able to make out his height, build, and outfit, but only the most general details of each. I was in such shock that I didn't even put my dick away. I just stood there trying to figure out what had happened. The reality was so terrifying that my mind refused to accept it, and impulsively searched for a reasonable explanation that can make everything okay. I thought, could these bushes lead to some backyard area and just looked like they were against the house? Could they have been obscuring an open window? My inner voice was desperately screaming, bruh, that man was wearing a hoodie in 90 degree weather. That was a bad man. You're in a bad situation. My fight or flight response totally failed me at that point because my dumbass did the absolute last thing I should have done and approached the bushes to try and validate this quote, there must have been a good reason for a man in a hoodie to be behind these bushes in the middle of the night, theory. 
So I walked over to the side, turned on my phone flashlight, and tried to peer around the line of shrubbery. Pro tip, as scary as things may look in the dark, seeing them with a single beam of your flashlight can sometimes make it even worse. That's when I saw the bag. There was a tattered drawstring bag sitting behind the bushes, slightly splashed with pee. But I was in such a moronic daze from shock that I groped around for it thinking, see, this is it. This will explain why he was back there. It explained it. Once I maneuvered it over and pulled it open, I saw a sharp knife, a roll of duct tape, and a bottle of pills. The delusions officially broke at that point, and all the adrenaline, endorphins, and self-preservation instincts that had been suppressed kicked in ten times over. I became whatever the opposite of dazed is, more laser-focused than I had ever been in my life, with one singular goal, get back to my car. I dropped the bag, booked it across the street, got in my car, and slammed the pedal to the floor before the door was even all the way closed. I went as far as I could, as fast as I could, until I hit a red signal. Then I pulled off the side and realized I shouldn't be driving any more than necessary in the condition I was in. I pulled into the parking lot of a 24-hour drugstore and took a breath. I was finally calm and coherent enough to zip up and formulate a plan of action. My first lucid thought was, who do I call first? The police? Or the girl whose house that was? I thought about it for what couldn't have really been more than 10 seconds, but felt like an hour, and decided, okay, I am in my locked car with the engine running. If trouble starts, I can drive away. I know something's up. She might not so she needs to know not to keep walking in that direction. But as I was dialing her number, it occurred to me, what if there was no girl? I thought I remembered delivering to that house before, but what if I was wrong? What if the girl on the phone was just a decoy to get me there to rob me, or worse? Every pizza guy on the planet has seen the Evil Genius documentary by now. So I thought, she called me all out of breath. She wasn't home. The whole thing was off. Can't risk it. I'll start with the cops. I called 911. The operator was very helpful in keeping me calm, because I was a complete wreck by this point. He kept assuring me that someone would be there soon. I kept telling them that they had to get there before the girl did, but I was trying to express three thoughts at once, and really damaging my own credibility. It came out more as, You've got to save this girl because he wasn't after me, I was just delivering a pizza unless they were after me, in which case there might not be a girl, but I talked to one on the phone, so then you should find that girl because they used her to lure me there. But if she's real, she doesn't know about the guy who is also real, and there could be more guys. If there's actually a girl, and you know what? Even if there isn't a girl, there might actually be more guys. I only checked one part of the bushes, so I don't really know. But we'll know which guy is the one I saw because I pissed all over him, you know? I didn't mean to. This was back when I thought the girl was real but not home but she might be real, so you really need to find her, if she is, because the guy was real. Finally, they basically just asked me to stop talking and stay on the line, but that was when I saw an incoming call from the customer. I couldn't answer it without disrupting my 911 call, so I just ignored it. But then she sent me a text like, Hey, I'm here, don't see you. I told 911 she was there and they said officers were only minutes away, but who knows how long that meant especially after I had given them such a scattered account of the events in my panic. 
I just felt overwhelmed with guilt, because my rational mind said the odds of her being a decoy girl for some large scam targeting pizza guys were low, and the odds of her being the intended victim of a predator were high. So I put my 911 call on mute, where I could hear them but they couldn't hear me, and turned back, heart absolutely pounding out of my chest, compulsively muttering, fuck, 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 the entire way. Then I took my 911 off mute and told them I had returned to look for the girl. They weren't happy about that, but I saw her meandering past the parked cars in the street, looking to see if one was mine, and I waved her down, flashing my brights. She bounced on over to the window of my car, happy-go-lucky. I figured that was a good sign that she wasn't in on whatever this was. But I was just so scared to be back in the general area and to not know what had just happened or what was going to happen. I kept whispering, Get in, get in. And she was like, Get it, huh? Oh, you want me to get the pizza from the back? I didn't want to make the same mistake with her that I made with 911. So instead of trying to tell the whole story, I stuck to the bare basic facts. There was a man in your bushes. I'm on the phone with the police. I don't know where he is right now. Please get in the car so we can lock the doors. I was barely able to get even those sentences out, and I was shaking like I'd had 10 cups of black coffee. I held up my phone with 911 on the call screen to verify it for her. I thought that was why she got into the car with no further explanation, but it turns out that wasn't entirely it. 911 kept checking in, not knowing who the third party I was talking to was. You still there? Is she with you? Are you safe? Is anyone else there? I reassured them and we drove, more cautiously this time, to a location 911 instructed us to wait so we could speak with police after the area was cleared. I didn't actually have to do much after that. The police came pretty soon after. A police car met us. I gave a statement telling them everything I observed, and she went to go speak to more officers in more detail than they needed me for. It turns out the reason she got right into a strange pizza guy's car without probing any deeper into my story is because she knew who the man was right away from my description. She had an abusive ex-boyfriend who was apparently psychotic enough that he immediately came to mind from hearing, there's a guy in your bushes. She later called us to thank me and insisted on leaving a huge tip. I wasn't there when the call came in, so the kid who answered didn't know to refuse to accept the money. But the manager already promised the next time we see her, we can load her up with enough one-free-pie cards to last a lifetime. Easily the scariest thing that has ever happened to me on the job or off. Even though I know he didn't even have anything to do with me directly, this truly shook me to my core. So, man in the bushes, let's not meet. And that story was posted a year ago by user Enough Pizza Now. This next story is titled, I Was Kidnapped When I Was 13. I want to give a trigger warning for this case because it involves a man grooming a minor. This is something that was super traumatic for me, but it was never discussed again in my household. I was talking with my mom about it the other night, and she still didn't say much. Thought I would share my thoughts with you all. When I was 13, I got a Dell desktop for school. The internet was fairly new for me back in 2003. AOL and MySpace. Yahoo Messenger. AOL chat rooms, 16 slash female slash Cali anyone, AOL chat rooms was where I went. I was a shy, overweight kid back then, still shy to this day. But online, online I could be anyone. I could say anything. It was amazing. 
I discovered so many things when I got the internet. If I could be anyone, so could someone else. Thus, how I met one 27-year-old man. One night I logged on, the AOL dial-up sound still makes me feel uneasy. I was sitting in my cold, dark kitchen. The computer was here so I could be monitored. It was just me and my mom, though, and she was always working. So no one ever really monitored me. Plus, she had no idea how to use a computer, so I got away with a lot. I was bored, so I hopped into an AOL chat room, lurked for a bit, then 15 slash female here. I was really 13, but saying I was 15 made me feel so much more mature. Private message incoming. Hey, my name is Rob. Where are you from? And that's how it started. I told him where I was from, that I was in high school, which wasn't a lie. My school was from 7th to 12th grade. Quote, you? 19, slash male, slash New York. Oh man, was it cool to be talking to an older guy. And boy, was he cute. Honestly, I don't really remember much. Maybe I blanked it out. Maybe my memory is just shot. I do remember emails back and forth. The occasional phone call. I remember finding out he was talking to another girl. And I wanted to break things off. But he begged and pleaded until I caved. Then, the let's meet. I was nervous. He had never asked for a pick, had never really asked for much from me. Just the emails back and forth, a phone call a day. But somehow he made me feel safe, made me feel wanted, cared for. He drove from New York to West Virginia one day. My mom worked right beside my house, so he parked about a quarter mile away and took the back alley to enter my house. My friend was with me when he showed up but was scared when she saw him and ran out the back door. I maybe should have taken a hint from that, but I just stood on my back porch with my head down. I was given a hug as he led me inside. Not five minutes after being there, sitting on the couch, did he move things further, then further even into my bedroom. I won't go into the details on what happened next. I assume most can guess. After that, he left. With instructions to get in his car after I got off the school bus, and we will go on a date. I had no idea where he was staying. I lived extremely far in the country, an hour's drive from the closest hotel. The next day, I get ready for school, ride the bus for the 45-minute drive, and as soon as I hop off in the school parking lot, I get directly into his car. No one noticed. No one said anything. We drive around, never go on a date. He just finds different places to park so that he can use me. I notice a photo of another young girl, 15 or 16, in the visor of his car. Question him. Believe him when he tells me it's his cousin. Believe him when I question why his hairline is receding so much. Believe him when he tells me I can't see his driver's license because he left it in the hotel. Believe him when he said he loved me. I get dropped off back at school, super sad that he was going back home, with promises he will call. Again, everything feels very fuzzy. I can't remember many emotions from this time. I do remember that a few days later, my mom says she found out I skipped school with a man, that I was never to see him again, and that was that. I do remember sending an email. I do remember a late-night phone call. I do remember saying, I wish I could just live with you. I remember him suggesting to come get me. I remember saying, okay. Days later, 
By the time he made the drive again, I was feeling iffy about leaving my mom. I loved her, after all. I didn't think things through. I didn't put much thought into anything, really. Packed a few clothes in a suitcase. Forgot all my underwear. That is one of my sharpest memories. I felt bad that he drove eight hours to get me. So I left in the middle of the night. Got in the car to him and his cousin. He got in the back seat with me. Proceeded to have sex with me while his cousin drove. Then get back in the front seat. This happened a few times between my home and his. The drive took forever. I had nothing to drink. Was offered nothing when they got something. They stopped to take a nap at a rest stop, and I attempted to collect call my mom, which was disabled on her phone. I dug around for some change to get something to drink, but couldn't afford anything in the convenience store. So I drank out of the truck stop sink. Hours later, we park a block away from his house, while he, quote, runs to get something. I am sitting in the back seat, waking up from a nap, when around eight or so men and women in black suits surround the car, screaming for us to get out with our hands up. My first thought is, quote, shit, first ten minutes in New York, and I am already being robbed. I am terrified. I get out, and a man pulls me over to the curb, while the other officer forces his cousin onto the ground. All the while, they are asking me my name and age, telling me to tell his cousin my age. I am put in the back of an unmarked car, driven to the NYPD, past reporters, cameras, news trucks, snuck into the back of the station, where I see Rob in handcuffs for the last time. And for in-love 14-year-old me, this is devastating. I am taken into a room and questioned for hours. I am then taken to a hospital. Then a hotel, where a nice woman brings me Taco Bell and stays with me as I fall asleep. The next day, two FBI officers escort me home on a plane, where I get off and where I am greeted by police officers, my mother, and a horde of news reporters. I later found out that when my mom reported me missing, the police didn't want to do much. They didn't even take the picture of me. She had his license plate number. She remembered seeing his car parked by the road that first meeting. She took note since it was an out-of-state car. Thanks to her being vigilant, I do find this is the only reason I am alive today. The police said they would look into it, but that wasn't enough for my mom. She contacted a family friend, who in turn contacted the governor of West Virginia, who in turn made the police look further into it. After they ran the license number, looked into the man, found out who he was, that was when they issued an Amber Alert, noting that I was in extreme danger. My cousin told my mom that he looked at Rob's rap sheet, and it was a mile long, but wouldn't tell my mother what was on it, for fear of scaring her more. I never went to court, I never went to any hearings, but I did fall into a horrible depression. My friend's parents wouldn't let them hang out with me. People spray-painted slut on my locker at school. I had no friends, but most of all, I thought a man was in prison for loving me. When I learned he got sentenced to 10 years in prison, which he served every year of, I became deeply troubled. I was in and out of a mental hospital for self-harm for years on a slew of depression medication. Psychiatrists never talked to me about anything. I had to process it all by myself. My teenage years were better, though. I transferred schools, made best friends, graduated. But still, in the back of my mind, I felt that I was the reason a man lost 10 years of his life, until I was told he was let out of prison. A couple of years later, 
After he was out, I contacted him on Facebook. At the time, I was around 24 or 25. He told me that if I ever contacted him again, he would kill both me and my mother, that he still knows where I live. I had no idea what he was planning to do with me. My mom still says selling me to a sex trafficker. I was told that he had other girls my age he was talking to. Some good things happened because of my kidnapping. Schools all over my state started internet safety education classes. Kids were taught safety. Parents were taught how to keep kids safe. No other girls were taken by this man. To the man who ruined so many years of my life, I am 29 now. I am happy, healthy, and I have zero remorse that you are now listed as a level 3 sex offender and that you were in prison for so many years. That story was posted by user Miss Renee a couple years ago. This next story is another kidnapping story, and it's titled, I was kidnapped at four years old and didn't even realize. I'll start by saying, I have a terrible biological father. He has been a shady person all of my life and constantly caused me a lot of grief. This is just one of those examples. When I was four, my parents split up. My mother and I moved states, and they agreed I would visit my dad every school holidays for a week. This one particular time, I had been with him for a few days. When I was playing with my cousin at a nearby park, a car pulled up, and I recognized the man as one of my dad's quote-unquote friends. He called me over, and without thinking, I ran over to him and left my cousin at the park. He asked me if I could show him where my dad lived, and I agreed and got in his car. I gave directions and didn't notice at all that they weren't following them correctly. Looking back, I didn't really know the way anyhow. After way too long, I did realize that we were getting closer to the city, which is far from my dad's house. We pulled up at a house I didn't recognize, and the man told me to wait in the car. I didn't feel scared at all for some reason. He eventually took me inside and I definitely started to feel unsafe then. I mainly remember two girls, passed out with their tops off, and a much older man was feeling them up everywhere. I made eye contact with this man, and he made me feel sick to my stomach. I had definitely figured out that this was a bad situation by this point. A lady took me into a bedroom and brought me a sandwich. The bread was stale, and I wasn't hungry, but I ate it all because I felt bad for her, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's what I was thinking about. The lady told me a lot of things I didn't understand, but when she left, I remember thinking my dad was coming to pick me up soon. I fall asleep waiting for him. I wet the bed that night, and no one came to see me the next day until I cried very loudly and banged on the door. The lady came back and yelled at me for stinking up her bedroom, and I asked about my dad. She said he was coming tonight after he finished work. She didn't offer me a shower or a bath, so I sat in my soiled pants all day. After that, everything turned into a blur, really. My dad did not come that night, and I was so terrified. In my head, it felt like I was there for months. I thought I was missing school, and everyone had forgotten about me. In reality, I was there for five days. They let me take one shower. I don't remember eating much, except for boring sandwiches and I had chips and gravy once. Finally, my mom drove across the country to come and get me, after not being able to get a hold of me or my dad for so long. 
and then me missing my pre-booked flight home. She panicked and came looking for me. Thank God she did. She found my dad at his girlfriend's house. Methed out completely. Hiding out. Turns out he owed a lot of drug money to the people who had taken me. They had told him that they had me, but he couldn't afford it. Or didn't want me back, whatever it was. He didn't bother to try to get me back. My amazing mom paid his debt for him after borrowing from a lot of people, and she came to get me back. I remember when someone came into the room and told me my mom was here and I walked out and I could smell her. It was the best feeling to feel safe again. She took me home, and I didn't see my dad for a long time. She never called the police. My parents' relationship was very complicated then, and I fully understand the choices she made. I'm definitely okay now. I've spoken about this in therapy, and I've come to terms with most of the things that I went through as a child. It was posted by user 2000's girl. This next story is titled, I was hunted in a target for over an hour. This is my first post, and although this happened back in December 2019, I still think about it on a daily basis, because it was unlike anything I had ever experienced before. I hope it offers some sort of enlightenment on what to do, not to do, if you find yourself in a similar situation. I had ventured out to do a bit of late-night shopping. I'm a 31-year-old stay-at-home mom of two young children. So once my husband gets home from work, I like to take some time to myself and go shopping, take a drive, or run errands kid-free. It was around 8.30pm when I arrived at the Target. I'm by no means a paranoid or anxious individual, but I have attended several seminars on human trafficking, and I have done plenty of research on my own learning to identify red flags and what precautions to take when out in public alone, especially at night. I carry several self-defense items on my person at all times, just in case. I parked directly in front of the store next to the cart caddy and took a mental note of the vehicles parked nearby again, just as precautions. I was taught at an early age to always be observant of your surroundings, and being a control freak just naturally makes you that way. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary that night, and the parking lot was actually quite empty, most likely because it was a weekday. As I entered the store, I began browsing like usual, following the natural flow of the store departments, following the main aisle around. I had been browsing for only 10 to 15 minutes, when I noticed a young gentleman, mid-twenties, He was tall, skinny, dressed in a dirty gray two-piece sweatsuit and brown work boots. He looked over at me. I smiled and said hello, but his facial expression was blank. He looked like he may have been high on something, by the look in his eyes, but he didn't seem to care for my gesture, and he quickly moved on. At first glance, there was nothing in particular that alarmed me about him, except I took notice of the fact he was just wandering down the main aisle with no cart or basket, hands in his pockets, and didn't seem to be with anyone. I continued shopping with no second thoughts, and made my way to the next apartment. Several minutes had passed, and that's when I noticed a second young gentleman, wearing the same gray sweatsuit and similar pair of work boots. Again, no cart, no basket. He too glanced at me, then quickly darted his eyes away, when he realized I was looking directly at him. I became a bit more alerted, but still remained composed and continued on browsing. 
Another 15 minutes or so passed, and that's when a third older man caught my attention. And you guessed it. Same gray sweatsuit and work boots, with no cart, no basket, just his hands in his pockets. I assumed they were in some sort of work uniform, maybe construction workers. But why weren't they walking around together? And why didn't they have any items to purchase? At this point, it was difficult to focus on browsing. I had a bad feeling about these three men, and it became clear that something was a bit off. Over the next 20 minutes or so, I felt as if I was being monitored by the three of them, as if they were all communicating my whereabouts as I continued to make my way through the store. Because each department I entered, it didn't take long for me to notice one of the three men pass by, whatever side aisle I happened to be in, making their presence known to me. I stayed completely vigilant, while trying not to panic or allow my suspicions to overwhelm me. Something about their presence felt very heavy and dark, so I decided to test their intentions, to prove I wasn't overthinking the situation, and my bad gut feeling was valid. I began picking random aisles, and traveling back and forth between departments, in a very unorganized and random fashion, to see if the men would continue to pass by me as frequently as they had been. With every aisle I popped into, it was just a few minutes later one of them would make an appearance, staring me down as they passed by. It felt as if I was being surrounded like a wild animal, hunted even. They were no longer trying to be conspicuous, which was the scariest part of it all, and everything instinctual was screaming at me to get out of there. I gripped my cart so tightly, and I figured if they got too close, I could use the cart to push them away or at least create distance between us. By this point, I had been shopping for about an hour, maybe a bit over, and I was ready to purchase my items. But honestly, I felt too uncomfortable to continue browsing, even if I wanted to. The men had been following me all that time, and I was becoming more annoyed, if anything. The store was pretty empty, one of the main reasons I like shopping at night, but that made this particular situation even more unsettling. Two preteen girls were wandering around by themselves, which quickly caught my attention, because the men had bypassed them making similar advances, but the girls were seemingly oblivious. So I quietly got their attention and asked them to go find their parents and stay with them, trying not to freak them out. The mother in me was in full protection mode. I couldn't imagine having my young children with me on this night. Thank God they were home safe and sound. As I made my way to the checkout, I noticed one of the men coming up from behind me, walking at a quicker pace this time. So I immediately stopped and turned to lock eyes with him as he approached. I will never forget the darkness in his eyes. An eerie smirk formed on his face as he nudged my shoulder, continuing to stare me down, walking backwards to hold his sinister gaze as he exited out the store. I had lost sight of the two other men and I hated the uncertainty of it all. He made his message clear in that very moment. My stomach dropped, and my entire body began to shake. It was a feeling I hadn't felt since I was a kid getting lost in the supermarket. A feeling of desperation. I quickly walked to the checkout, discreetly asked the cashier if I could speak to the manager, and told them what had transpired over the last hour, politely asking for a male employee to walk me to my car, and for them to alert their security team member. When I told the manager what happened, her face sunk. 
as if she had already known about these men, and once I described them, she confirmed she knew who I was talking about. She expressed that several of the female employees had found the men unsettling in the past, and reassured me that someone would escort me to my car. She made a report about the incident and said she would alert the authorities. I was still shaking, but felt relieved that she believed me and showed concern for the other young female patrons in the store. She took my information, then a young male employee walked me out to my car. What I saw as I exited the store made me so sick to my stomach, solidifying all of my suspicions. A white, windowless van was parked in the lot directly behind my car, about three parking spaces distance between us. One of the men was seated in the driver's seat, and the other two were leaning against the side of the van, facing my car, attempting to hide out of view. I mean, how cliche and obvious can you be? Your license plate might as well have read, Lady Snatchers, at that point. Whatever their intent, it didn't seem pure. I pointed them out to the male employee, and said, there they are, which then prompted the men to scurry into the van and speed out of the parking lot without hesitation. I truly don't know what would have happened if I walked out to my car alone, and I'm so freaking grateful I made it home safe and lived to tell my story. Over the following week, I had heard there were several abduction attempts in the shopping center, parallel to that target, and I'm almost certain it was the same individuals. To the three matching sweatsuit creeps, let's not ever meet again. And that story was by Peaky Dash Lou. Again, I'm sorry that this week's episode couldn't be the case I've been working on, but hopefully that will be next week's episode. And a lot of y'all have messaged me saying that you like the Let's Not Meet stories anyways, so I hope this wasn't too much of a letdown. Alright, that's all. If you like this podcast, please tap those five little stars on Spotify and or iTunes. It helps me out a lot. And make sure to tune in next Tuesday for another episode. Hope you have a good day, evening, or night. Goodbye.